In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So God willing, today, because this is the Friendsgiving week before Thanksgiving holiday, um, I thought it would be appropriate to speak a little bit about Thanksgiving. Um, we actually, and, uh, the idea of Thanksgiving is something that's uh, very central um, in, in, in our faith, in the Christian faith, and also in our church. It's reflected in the way that we begin every prayer um, in the church. Every liturgical prayer that we pray in the church always starts with the prayer of Thanksgiving. And today when we prayed from the Egbeya, um, right now before we begun the Bible study, we also prayed, and uh, the very first thing that we prayed was the prayer of Thanksgiving. And the idea of Thanksgiving and God commanded us to give thanks always in all things, is was when we give thanks, um, our attitude turns from maybe looking at the deficiencies in our life, the problems that we have, um, the difficult circumstances that we face, the things that we wish we had that we don't have, and we instead our focus becomes on the things that God has blessed us with, the many, many things. And when we begin to enumerate and count and list all the things that God has um, done for us, our natural response should be that we give thanks and that we acknowledge that God is the one who gave us these things. You know, but sometimes actually we, we, we don't do that. Sometimes what we do is we, when things are going fine, we feel almost like this is the normal, like this is what we are expecting every day to go a certain way. And maybe when it goes the way we hoped that it would and expected that it would, um, instead of kind of rejoicing in that or giving thanks to God for that, we kind of are neutral because that's how we expected it to be. But when something then happens that is not what we wanted, something that is a disappointment, something that's a difficulty, maybe then our response is to grumble um, against God for, for allowing it. Um, we see this also very much in the people of Israel in the Old Testament. We've been studying the book of Exodus. Um, you know, when they, when they are um, receiving all of these blessings from God, they kind of just accept it from him. Um, but whenever things are not going the way they want, they immediately grumble and they even tell God, we wish that we, we had died in Egypt. We wish that we would go back to Egypt again. Um, and, and they complain against the good things um, that God gave. So the, 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 the virtue of thanksgiving, of learning how to give thanks always in all things, is something very important for us that will help us in our life to always focus on um, giving God the thanks in, in everything. And, and not just and the good things that we identify as good, but maybe redefining what we mean by good, right? Redefining what we mean by good. God does all things for our good, okay? In, in Romans 8.28, it's a famous verse, and it says, God does all things for the good of those who love him. All things are good. So even when something bad, that according to my understanding of bad, something undesirable um, happens to me, we believe that God can turn it for good and that he allows us to pass through these difficult circumstances maybe or these trials again for our good, that he is producing something in us that is good, that is beyond maybe our understanding or our awareness, but that we believe that there is good behind it. And this is not to say that God sends evil. This is not to say that God wants us to suffer. But God uses the natural circumstances that happen in the world. God uses the decisions of other people. God uses the corrupted nature of the world and the diseases that are in it and the catastrophes that are in it and the problems that are in it. He turns those things which are naturally present, he turns them to be good. Okay, So this again is a reason for us to give thanks. 
We're giving thanks to God because we believe that he is turning all things for good. And so the source of joy for a believer and, and security and comfort should be that when we wake up in the morning, we believe that everything that happens to me that day, regardless of whether I like it or don't like it or whether I wished it or didn't wish it, that in the, we believe that in the end God is using it for our, for our benefit, for our good, and we give thanks to him. I wanted to read this um, because it is the Thanksgiving holiday. I wanted to read this proclamation of the year 1789 um, when um, the, the, the president, um, I, I believe it was President uh, George Washington, I believe. Um, th this, this proclamation uh, of the national holiday of Thanksgiving and the reason why Thanksgiving was established. You know, nowadays people want you to believe that Christianity was never a, an integral part of the government, um, but that's not true. Um, we see here the, the very reason why this Thanksgiving holiday was established. It says the following. It says, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. It's actually a beautiful proclamation and the idea that this is how our government used to be, that they acknowledged the existence of God, acknowledged the goodness of God, acknowledged that all of the blessings that they are experiencing are actually from God to the point where they need to dedicate a special day to remember this. And, and this had nothing to do with having turkey. This had nothing to do with buying stuff um, you know, on sale. Uh, it had everything to do with just thanking God for who he is and acknowledging that all the blessings that this new country um, the United States was experiencing was because of God's favor and protection. So it says something about kind of the, maybe the mentality of how things used to be, It's uh, you know, at least for some time. Um, and maybe we can compare that with the way that things are today. Um, but it reminds us always that we should be, in all things, giving thanks. What is the difference between a monastery and a prison? One, you go to it by choice. The other, you're compelled to it. Yeah, so so in a monastery, you choose to go. In a prison, you do not choose to go. Okay. Um, but once you're in the monastery, you can't leave. You're not supposed to leave. So you kind of don't have the choice. This man 
David Soper, he said this. He said, basically the difference between a prison and a monastery is the difference between griping and gratitude. Imprisoned criminals spend every waking moment griping. Self-imprisoned saints spend every waking moment offering thanks. When a criminal becomes a saint, a prison may become a monastery. When a saint gives up gratitude, a monastery may become a prison. So the, the, the difference is not the setting, right? The difference is not the place, the location, the physical location, right? The, the difference is the, the internal attitude that we have. Maybe I have um, a, a, a spirit of thanksgiving to where I, take, I give thanks in everything regardless of what's happening to me. So even if I'm in the worst possible situation, you don't see me worried or stressed, but you see me thankful to God for everything he does for me. On the flip side, maybe God has given me everything. Maybe God has given me everything that is good, and yet I still complain and grumble, and I'm not satisfied, and I'm not happy. The idea here is that um, this, this analogy between the prison and the monastery, of course we know monastery is very different from a prison. Um, but the idea of I'm confined to a location, okay, that is, um, you know, that, 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 is, that is not giving my flesh everything that it wants. You could say this isn't common between the two. Um, but in one case, a person is thankful because they see this as actually a blessing. The fact that they are denied in a monastery, the fact that they are denied the desires of their flesh is actually something they thank God for. They willingly went there because that's what they chose. That's what they wanted because they see that as beneficial for their spiritual life. So they, they are thankful even though they have less. You know, like a, a monk, for instance, they, they, they make a vow of poverty. So they don't have anything of their own. And yet they are thankful to God because God is their sustenance. God is their sufficiency. Whereas, again, maybe the consumerist society that we live in, um, we have everything. And maybe with this, we are, we are not thankful. So I want to speak about four elements of thanksgiving. And those are sacrifice, self-examination, prayer, and rejoicing. Um, first, sacrifice. Okay. When God gave the commandment of making the, um, the offerings, all the types of sacrifices that the people were to offer in the Old Testament, it says in Leviticus chapter 7, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. Okay? So the idea of this peace offering is that it is not just an offering that is given, but it is an offering that is given with thanksgiving. Right? It is an offering that is given with love. It is an offering that we are acknowledging the goodness of God and we are making this offering to God because of who he is. It is not just to, to satisfy some kind of duty or obligation, but it is to give God something back. Okay? Now, of course, we know that you know, these sacrifices added nothing to God. It's not that the, the people were giving God something he needed or something that benefited him. But this was the, the prescribed way that God gave them to demonstrate thanks. And you notice here that this demonstration of thanks had to do with them giving up something. This is the way that they offered thanks. It was a sacrifice. Sacrifice means to give up something. Okay, whether it be this peace offering where they were giving up these unleavened cakes or whether it be the burnt offering where they were giving up um, animals that belonged to them and the God would tell them that you have to offer the first fruit. 
You have to offer the best of what you had, and this would be the sacrifice that is acceptable to God. So what is the, this idea of sacrifice is that I'm choosing to give up something that is dear to me, something that is valuable to me, and to give it to God as a, a way of demonstrating my thankfulness. Because our thankfulness is not just words. You know, we know sometimes we are thankful to someone and we just say thank you, you know, thank you. But someone who is truly thankful will go out of the way to serve a person. Someone who is truly thankful. Think of someone maybe in your life that has done something very, very uh, important to you. Something very personal and important to you and how you feel about them and what you would be willing to do for them to try to thank them for the service that they gave you, for the favor that they did for you, for the love that they showed you. That is the thankfulness. That is the thankfulness that we are to give to God, not just a word, you know, not just the word thank you, but how am I demonstrating that love to God? It is through some kind of sacrifice. Here are some degrees of thankfulness. Maybe the first degree, we just say thank you, you know, in passing. Maybe uh, a higher level of thankfulness that we would do for someone is we buy, um, you know, one of these cards they can get like in the store and you sign it. And this is a way of saying thank you, maybe even more than just saying thanks. And then another one is some people will actually take the time to write a handwritten card that is completely their own thoughts in order to thank someone. Okay, maybe an even higher level of thankfulness is that I want to go and, and spend time with you. Because I, I want to give you of my time. You know, our, our time is so valuable. If I sacrifice from my time, give it to you for whatever it is that you might need, this is something even um, greater expression of thankfulness. Going to great lengths to give someone what they value or need the most. You know, if I drive three hours somewhere to buy something that a person needs and drive another three hours back and I give it to them, this is, again, even a higher expression of thankfulness and love to them for what it is that they have done for me. So when we are looking at our own kind of spiritual life and giving thanks to God and uh, we, we ask ourselves, what is the, you know, what is the level of thankfulness maybe on this spectrum that we are giving thanks to God? You know, what is it that I'm giving of myself to God? Uh, and, and this kind of is an expression of how thankful I really am. King David um, when he was uh, wanting to make an offering to God. Um, we have this scenario that played out here in First Chronicles chapter 21. Um, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to explain it. So it says, Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor. So Ornan was a person who owned this threshing floor and King David wanted to buy, wa wanted to take this, wanted to have this threshing floor for himself, okay, in, in order to use it to build an altar. So he's speaking to Ornan the one who owns this threshing floor. He says, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. So there was a plague and he wanted to offer the sacrifice to God so the plague would end. But Ornan said to David, take it to yourself and let my Lord the king do what is good in his eyes. So Ornan is saying, I am not going to ask you to pay me to take this. Just take it. Just take it and do with it what you want to do. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. So Ornan is saying, I will give you absolutely everything that you need in order to make the sacrifice. Then King David said to Ornan, No, 
but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. The, the, the very idea of, of making an offering, a sacrifice to God, is that it has to cost us something. Because otherwise it has no value, right? When we speak about giving our time to God in prayer, when we speak about um, fasting, denying ourselves the foods that we want to eat, when we speak about rising up early in the morning to attend liturgy, when we speak about whatever service that we might have in the church to do it faithfully and consistently and, 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 and to the best of our ability, when we sacrifice of anything that belongs to us, whether material or time or, or energy or whatever it might be, we should be doing something which, which in order for it to have value, in order for it to, to be a, a sacrifice that we offer to God, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, it has to cost us something, okay? Because then we are exchanging, we are giving something um, of value. And if we ask the question, what is it that God actually values the most? Because we speak about how, you know, even the, the burnt offerings that were given, it didn't add anything to God, you know, God was not, was not satisfied with an animal or with the burning of an animal. What is it that he was really after in, in, in the offering? He was after the person. He was the, the thing that the Lord values the most is us because we are his children. We are the living sacrifice. In Romans 12.1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, okay? We are the sacrifice, right? Not, not in the sense of being slaughtered as a sacrifice, in the sense of that we deny ourselves. This is the sacrifice, that we choose God versus choosing everything else. This is why um, the Lord always gives the analogy that he is the bridegroom and that the church or the individual soul is like the bride, Okay, and this is like a relationship of love between us and God. And he considers that idol worship is adultery. Right? Idol worship is adultery. Actually, in the book of Hosea, Hosea the prophet, he wanted to make this crystal clear in the understanding of the people of how he sees idol worship. Whenever the, um, whenever the Israelites would turn from God and they would worship idols, this was a betrayal of God. And he considered it adultery. So he got this prophet Hosea, and he told him to marry a woman who was a harlot, and she would be unfaithful to him. And that after she was unfaithful to him, it was like a demonstration of, this is what you are doing to me. That the, 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 the harlot, Gomer, she represented the people, and Hosea represented God. And by her having um, you know, being unfaithful to him, is a representation of the idol worship of the people, that they were going after these other gods and leaving God himself, and he wanted them to understand, to see this. So the idea of uh, being unfaithful to God, uh, this is considered by God to be adultery, because what he really wants is us. This is what he really wants. In whatever way that we are offering something to God, it is not that that material that we are offering him is actually benefiting him or adding anything to him. What he wants is to see that we are willing to um, obey him, that we are willing to submit to him, that we are willing to follow him, that we are willing to give up our will in order to surrender ourselves to his will, that we are willing to cut out sinful actions, sinful thoughts from our lives. This is all the living sacrifice. 
okay? Because we are the living sacrifice. So in order for us to do that, if we really want to be the living sacrifice, we have to look and see what are the areas of my life that need work, need help, need, need me to work on them. And when God sees that we are going through this process of self-examination, that we are trying to find out in ourselves what are the areas that are lacking? What are the weaknesses that are separating me from God? What are the things that I'm doing that are not pleasing to God? In this way, I'm making an offering of thanksgiving. So again, why are we talking about this? Because we're saying we want to give thanks to God. How do I give thanks to God? Well, we can just say thank you, God, right? But we can also go deeper and say what is a more, um, like, a, like a deeper, better way for us to give thanks? Not just with the words, okay? Because the Lord actually rebuked the people when he said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me, right? So we don't want to be like the one who is honoring God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. So how do we know that our hearts are close to him? What do we do in order to be close to God? And that is to examine ourselves, okay? What are the areas, what are the actions, what are the thoughts, what are the things that are separating from my God and myself? Again, as a condition of the offering um, in the Old Testament, when God told them to, to make the offering, he said, if this offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering, uh, sorry, if his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. Without blemish. So we are trying to present ourselves because we are the sacrifice. We are trying to present ourselves to him without blemish. Okay? Without blemish which means that we have to be renewed, right? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the Christian process of sanctification. This is what we should be doing in our life. When people ask, what is the purpose of my life? This is a big part of the answer. What is the purpose of my life? The purpose of my life is to draw closer to God. And to draw closer to God, I allow God to change me. I allow him to transform me. Allow him to make me to be the person he created me to be. Right? So this requires a lot of self-examination. And self-examination is difficult. Because we often do not want to see what's there. We don't want to know ourselves. We, we don't want to accept the problems that we have. We don't want to admit that we have addictions. We don't want to admit that we do not forgive people. We do not want to com admit that we hate people. We don't even want to admit that to ourselves. I'm not talking about making a confession to someone else. I'm talking just as a first step, even admitting that to ourselves. So to look inside ourselves, to see inside ourselves, what are my mistakes? What are my failings? What are the things that are preventing me from growing, are preventing me from reaching the full potential that God wants me to have? This is the living sacrifice that I am making by crucifying my flesh, by, by, by telling God, I do not accept these things in me and I want him to change me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Because, again, you have to ask, what are we doing here? You know, I, I, I really like this picture. 
um, because it shows different stages of life. And maybe when we are in any of each of these stages, we don't really necessarily look so much ahead to the next stage. Or maybe we only look ahead in the first half, but not the second half. Um, if you look at a person's life from beginning to end, what constitutes a man's life? The outward man is perishing. That's what here St. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, is the outward man is perishing. The outward man has a, has a, has a, has a time limit. You know, the outward man has a beginning and has an end. And we go through this process of life and growth and aging and eventually death. The outward man is perishing. But the inward man is what being renewed. To be drawing closer to God as the source of life. That he is the one that we are um, seeking to be in union with. That he is the one who is giving us strength, giving us joy, making us to realize that we have purpose and there is a reason for our existence. The existence is not just to live a certain number of years on the earth and that's the end. No, the, the purpose is an eternal life. The purpose is to live with God eternally. And that beginning of that eternal life with God begins now. So I ask myself, how can I live with God now? And how do I give thanks to God now? And how I draw close to God now? And a big part of that answer has to do again with being the living sacrifice that I'm allowing God to change me to renew me day by day by day which leads us to asking God for this because you know if, if at the beginning I realize that um, that I need to make a sacrifice to God and then I realize that I am the sacrifice that I'm offering to God and that I have to examine myself in order to offer myself to him as a, as, a, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving for all that he gives me. So then when we discover through this process of self-examination that we have all these weaknesses, so then what? You know, how do we change? Sometimes people believe that it is through sheer will and sheer effort that people can become perfected. Um, but this is not true. Actually, this is a heresy. There was a, a man whose name was Pelagius, and he taught that someone can be essentially perfect even without the grace of God. Um, and he was, this, this, this was, he was condemned for this heresy that he taught. We do not believe that any of us can be perfect apart from the grace of God. And we do not believe that we can be pleasing to God without his transforming grace and the Holy Spirit in us. So when we are praying to God, the content of our prayers should not just be, um, God, I want this. God, I want this. God, please do this for me. God, do this. I'm not saying that we can't ask God for things, and definitely we ask God for things. And even in the liturgy, there are litanies. You know, the litanies are we are asking God for things that we want him to give us. But what is the core of our prayer? What is it that it should be? The core essence of prayer is not that I'm just asking God to give me the things that I want, but I'm asking God to change me to be the way that he wants me to be. Because again, this is a submission. This is a, a submission of our lives to him, saying, I do not own myself, you know. I, I am not the master of my life. I am not the one in control of my life. God, direct me and lead me in the way that you want and transform me and change me into the way that you want me to be. Again, this is an expression of thanksgiving, this sacrifice that we are making by subduing ourselves to him. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And it's a sacrifice because prayer can be difficult. Offering praise to God can be difficult. 
especially when we don't feel like praising God, when we feel maybe we are very um, entitled, maybe feeling that we are just upset with the way that God ma you know, made us to be or gave us um, some circumstance that we do not wish for, that we wish we didn't have to deal with. The person who is thankful sacrifices their time daily to give thanks to God. But the entitled person grumbles about what they do not have. So we have to ask ourselves, where are we in the spectrum? Because it is a spectrum. It's not like we are just 100% thankful or 100% entitled. Maybe in some areas we are more thankful than others. In some areas we are more entitled than others. But when we are praying to God and giving thanks to him in prayer and praise, then we are reminding ourselves that God again gives us only goodness. Only good things come from the hands of God. Psalm 100 says, Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. This um, analogy that God always gives us that he is the shepherd and that we are the sheep. And he says, enter into his gates. Like the shepherd is leading us into the, the security of his gates. He's, he's allowing us to enter into the secure and beautiful place that even as he is leading us to the promised land, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the eternal life, and he is leading us there. And as he is leading us there, because we are sheep, we don't really understand. We don't really know what direction our life is going to take to take us to that place, to lead us to that place that he wants us to go. And maybe we have a certain vision of how we think that's going to happen and how we want it to happen. But maybe God has a different plan. Maybe has God has a different way. So even in those moments where we are feeling uh, upset um, or grumbling because of the things that have been denied us, those are the times where we have to be the most thankful. Those are the times when we are at risk because we might decide to leave this flock altogether. This isn't something that I really want. This is not something I really care about. God is not giving me what I want or what I asked of him, so I don't want to be here. I just want to go away. Because this place is not, is not for me. But maybe we forget in that, that ultimately what God is doing for us is not to give us what, what I want in the moment. Maybe what I want in the moment is, is, is harmful. And I always say the famous verbs in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know, like there is something that looks to us with our human eyes, our human senses looks great. It seems right to us. But God knows the end of it. He knows the end is leading to death. And so when he denies it to us, what should our response be? No, God, I know better than you. I am um, not going to accept that you do this for me. And because you are doing it, I assume that God is like, kind of like Eve did. She assumed that God is holding out on her. That really if she eats the forbidden fruit, then she will become like God and it will be a great source of blessing for her. And so she went and ate it because she thought God was lying to her. Maybe we think God is lying to us. Maybe we think that actually there was be a better way for my life to go, a different path, that if my life had gone a different way, that would have been far better for me. But how do we know? What, on based on what do we know this, right? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This is why we should be thankful. Thankful to God for what he allows and what he doesn't allow. Everything that he allows is good. Everything he allows is good. And he is leading us into his gates. And that as we are entering his gates, we should be thankful, always recognizing that every good thing comes from him.
Our tendency is to complain when we don't get what we want, to forget the source of blessings when we do get what we want. There is the story um, of Christ who meets these ten lepers, um, and um, the Lord heals all ten of them. And as so the, the ten are healed as they are walking away. So he, he prays on them, and as they are walking away, they realize that they have been healed of their leprosy. And so one of the ten, they, having realized that they are healed from le leprosy, runs back to meet the Lord again. It says, what? And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? You know, where are the other nine? Where are the nine who, who were also healed the same? Why is it that there were ten people that all received the exact same blessing? And this is not a small blessing. Someone who lived with leprosy is an outcast, cannot be part of society, cannot function, cannot have normal interactions with other people. And, and so that's why they, they huddled around one another, another in groups because no one else would want to be with them, these ten uh, lepers. And so when they were healed, these other nine were so joyful at the fact that they were healed they just wanted to go start their lives. You know, they, 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 they wanted to go and, and reintegrate with society. They wanted they, they, all the stigma that they had, you know, was going to be now removed, that they had been healed of their leprosy. But they forgot in that moment of joy that they had, that who was the reason for their joy? God was the reason for their joy. And God actually is the one who allowed them to be lepers to begin with. So here, this one person who went back to the Lord, he remembered, he acknowledged that actually God is the one who healed me. Christ is the one who healed me, and I have to go and, and offer thanks to him. So again, this is our human tendency. Okay, Our human tens tendency is we tend to grumble when we don't get what we want. Um, and maybe when we do get what we want, we are quick to forget. Who gave this to me? Which leads us to the last point of thanksgiving. Rejoicing is the result of thanksgiving. You know, when... When, when we are sad, um, we don't realize that if we give thanks, it actually makes us feel better. Um, in Psalm 107, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. If we are to rejoice in God, not, not just to thank God kind of half-heartedly, but to rejoice, right, in what God gives us. Rejoicing is the natural outcome of sacrificing our will. All the three stages that we said before, sacrificing our will to God, examining ourselves, praying to God about anything, okay, the result will be rejoicing. Because we, the more that we give thanks, the more we sacrifice ourselves, the more we examine ourselves, the more we are in the presence of God in prayer, the more we see things from the perspective of God the more like we begin to see with the eyes of God, in a sense. And when we see things with the eyes of God, everything begins to make sense. Uh, we don't feel as lost. We don't feel as confused. We feel like even though I don't have all the answers, but at least I know that God is in control of it. I trust that he's handling it. I trust that he's taking care of it. Let me focus on what I can do. Let me focus on myself. Let me focus on sanctifying myself let me focus on being renewed let me focus on my prayer let me focus on my spiritual life just like the lord said in the sermon on the mount he said what 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these other things, all the things you're worrying about, all the things that you want, all the things that you, you, know, you are pursuing. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Meaning our attention should not be on all these things. When our attention is on all these things, then we are stressed out. We are not rejoicing. We are just constantly obsessed with the things that we want, obsessed with our ambitions, obsessed with our enemies, obsessed with our desires, obsessed with obtaining what it is that we want, or obsessed with finding solutions to problems that we have. And I'm not trying to say we shouldn't think about them or we shouldn't plan for them or we shouldn't take action. Of course, there is a part that we play. But there's a difference between taking action and being wise in the way that we deal with our life versus becoming overly stressed, overly anxious, um, obsessed with something we cannot change. So if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, a big part of that is we give thanks. We give thanks to God for all that he gave, right? And so we will find ourselves naturally at peace. And when we are at peace, we will rejoice. We will rejoice in the good. We will see the good, the see the blessings that God gives to his people, not just focus on the things that we don't uh, we don't have rejoicing is not an emotion you know like if you go on like try to find images on the internet about rejoicing what will you find you'll find pictures like this like a woman on the beach with butterflies dancing on the seashore i don't know how many of you have ever done that um this is not rejoicing right this is this is a, a euphoria in a moment's time because of some event that has just happened that maybe we feel like this. But this is not what is meant by rejoicing in the Bible. This is not what God refers to as rejoicing. Rejoicing as being I'm so excited I can't even contain myself and I'm jumping up and down. That's not rejoicing. Okay, Rejoicing is a calm, serene peace of hopefulness that I have about the future. A feeling that God is present. That I am aware of the presence of God all the time. And because of that, I'm comforted. Because of that, I feel secure in him, that I don't feel alone, abandoned, isolated. I don't feel that way. I feel like God is my constant companion. And I believe that whatever it is that has happened, God is turning it into good. And whatever it is that will happen, God also will make it to be for my good. So in this, I rejoice. We say like the joy of our salvation. I am rejoicing because in the end, no matter what happens to me in this life, life will end and every circumstance will end and every person that is here in the world will, 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 will end and whatever ailments I have will end and everything will end. But what was left is eternity, eternity, which is completely different than this world, completely opposite to this world, that all the things that bring stress here don't exist there. So I rejoice. You know, I rejoice in this. You know, like maybe like someone who is a senior in high school who is ready to graduate. And whatever, whatever he happens to get at that point, whatever happens to him, doesn't matter anymore because he's leaving. He's already accepted into college. You know, maybe he doesn't even care about the grades he gets. He's free, right? We should feel this freedom. But when we feel the yoke of the stress of this life, it takes away this joy. When we feel that we are kind of trudging in the mud of anxiety of this life, we have a hard time experiencing this joy. 
So we, we should elevate our minds to this. We should ask God to fill us with this joy. That the thanksgiving we have is based on the relationship with God and not the circumstantial blessings of God. Even the good things. Even when God gives us good things. That's good. Yes, we are rejoicing in that. But even the circumstantial blessings that God gives to maybe sometimes God gives us something very good and maybe sometimes doesn't. You know, maybe sometimes God heals the sick person and maybe sometimes he doesn't. My rejoicing should, is not affected by either one. Yes, I might be very happy because something happened. and I'm not saying that's wrong. But the, the, the abiding joy that we should have as Christians is something that is unmoved by everything that happens. Nothing should move it. And this is what we should be growing toward. When we say that I'm, I'm, I'm a living sacrifice, I'm asking God to, to, to make me into this. I want to trust in God this way. Maybe we struggle to do so. But this is, should be a goal that we set for ourselves, that we want to um, do this. Also, rejoicing is changeless. We rejoice in the existence of God. You know, How often do we just rejoice in that? Imagine what life would be if, if we didn't trust that God was present, okay? We rejoice that he has revealed himself to us. What if God existed but nobody knew? Nobody told us. Nobody said anything to me. God did not give us his, his word to tell us about himself, to tell us about eternity. No, he told us. We rejoice at the gift of salvation, that the Lord suffered for our sake so that we could be saved, right? This should be rejoicing. We rejoice even that God turned the suffering into something good. All these things are sources of rejoicing for us. They should elevate us above this world. So finally, just as a quick recap, we spoke about four things when it comes to thanksgiving. The first is we, th we give thanks by giving sacrifice. Thanks is not just limited to words, but thanks is uh, an action that we give that we are making a sacrifice. Also, we are the sacrifice. What is it that God wants is he wants us. He doesn't want something we can offer. He doesn't want money. He doesn't want sheep. He, 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 does, he doesn't want any physical object. He wants us. He wants our love. Okay? Second is, in order to be a pure sacrifice that we offer to God, we have to examine ourselves. What is it that is lacking in me? What are the things that I am doing that actually are abomination to God? Am I giving thanks to God? Am I giving a sacrifice of myself to God by living a life of continual sin with no repentance? No. I have to examine myself if I want to truly be thankful to God, offer to God without blemish. Third is by prayer. I am asking God to change me. I'm asking God to transform me and I'm offering a sacrifice of praise. I'm offering this sacrifice, which is a form of prayer in connecting me with God. And finally, I am rejoicing in him and that it is through giving thanks and seeing all the blessings that God has given us that we should live a life of eternal joy. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Yes. We have a question from YouTube. If I wish that I had a deeper knowledge of the religion so that I could choose to be a nun earlier in my life, would it be considered as gambling? To be a nun? Mm -hmm. Is it saying that someone chooses to be a nun early in their life so that they could have a better knowledge of the religion and whether this would be like a, a risky thing to do? Is that what it means? Can I see it?
Oh, grumbling, grumbling. Um, she had a deeper knowledge of the religions of her countries. I mean, w when it comes to monasticism specifically, um, this is a calling from God. Someone might feel that they want to give themselves completely to God as a type of sacrifice um, by choosing to live a life of monasticism, you know, whether it be a monk or a nun, or even a consecrated servant who is a person who is not living in a monastery but still consecrated to serve God for the rest of their life. Um, this is a good desire. It is a good desire to want to sacrifice ourselves. Okay? But the exact context of where that sacrifice is going to happen when it's going to happen, what form that sacrifice is going to take is different from person to person. And this is actually something that God chooses, not us. God calls certain people to be monastics. And, and, and they hear his calling, and they respond to that calling, and they serve God completely in a monastery or in a convent. Other people are called to serve God in marriage and by having a family and by pouring their lives into their kids into their spouse into the service that they do in their church in other ways so the location of it is 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 not the it's not that one place is better than another in terms of where i'm going to be able to serve god where i'm going to be able to give thanks to god but instead it's something that i have to discover through prayer through asking god through getting guidance where is it that i should be where is it that i should go how, God, God, do you want me to live? Because again, we are saying that we are trying to please God. So to please God, I offer him what he wants. So I ask him, what do you want? Do you, do you want me? Are you calling me for a life of monasticism? And one of the ways that people, for instance, who are drawn to the life of monasticism is they have no desire to be married. They just don't have the desire. They, they have a desire to be maybe by themselves in prayer. They don't have a desire to be married. Um, so for them, the monastic life is an extremely attractive one. And also they don't have the responsibilities in the world that would allow them to be easily to move and to go into there. Like they're not leaving behind family that absolutely needs them um, or they have other responsibilities that prevents them from being able to go, you know, to a monastery to live. But the monastery is not the only place where we sacrifice ourselves to God. We sacrifice ourselves to God every day. So it is a decision that I choose to make. So it's a very personal thing depending on the will of God for that person. Um, but, but the common factor is we offer sacrifice. We offer sacrifice. Any other questions? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day and for this opportunity to come here and to give thanks to your holy name. We thank you, O Lord, for the Thanksgiving holiday that we celebrate every year. Let this holiday be a day, O Lord, that we remember your goodness. We remember your power in our lives. We remember all the things that you have already offered to each of us that is good and that we should remember every day. Help us to remember, O Lord, these things, and not only the things that we wish that you would do differently or the things that we want you to give us, but instead the things you have already given and the things you give every day and the things that you have promised to give us every day and for the rest of our lives. Help us, O oh God, not to be taken away with the consumerism of this holiday 
and to be drawn away, O Lord, from the spirit of giving thanks because we desire to attain and acquire for ourselves. Instead of looking to see what we can acquire, let us look to see with what you have already given. We thank you, O God, for your mercy. We thank you, O Lord, for your love, for your salvation. We thank you, O Lord, because you forgive us our sins, even though we might commit the same ones again and again. We ask, O God, for your mercy, your presence, your love, and so that we would experience you and know you more and more each day. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen. And also with your spirit.